This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Paul Bunyan Country. Hey, it's time to get Scott Mockenthun back in the, well, not in the studio, but uh, on the telephone machine so we can record it in the studio. Scott, welcome back. It's great to have you in today. Awesome, Kev. Good to be here. Good to be talking about fishing again. Well, <laughs> can you talk about fishing down there? Well, that's, that's the sad part. We, we can talk about it. We just can't act upon it. Um, it's, it's been a rough start, and, you know, I, I'm jealously observing my friends across the northern part of Minnesota through the holidays, through December, and now into early January. But uh, after this cold snap, the, the first polar vortex of the year, we'll definitely have people out and about. Um, our, our staff, you know, putting the DNR hat on for a second, our staff that are heading out to do fish house counts, we always do them either the first or the second week of January. I expected to see goose eggs, zero across the board. And there are people venturing out on the three or four inches of ice and you know, a, a lake that had uh, three, uh, three, three anglers on it, another one that had one. You know, it's a person here and a person there. It's not any big number, but after this cold snap, we will be starting the ice fishing season in earnest. Very cool. I mean, you know, even up here, I mean, yeah, people could get out here, there, but it wasn't like it, uh, it typically is. And you, I'm sure you heard all the news of all the things that were happening on Red Lake. And I think they had a nice flow situation on Lake of the Woods. And, of course, lost, a, lost an angler on Cass Lake uh, about a week ago. So uh, it's just been, it's been crazy. And I think just today they allowed some vehicles back out on Red Lake. So it hasn't been great yeah. here either. No, no, it's been, it's been inconsistent. And that unfortunately has had some big impacts. You know, when we think about resorts, outfitters, lodges, bait shops, um, the commercial side of it, but even on the personal side of things, like you mentioned, there have been a few fatalities. There have been some folks that have had close calls. This weird weather and inconsistency it, uh, of, of conditions, it's, it's definitely wreaked havoc on ice anglers and the, and the larger industry surrounding ice anglers. Yeah, it really has. Uh, very, very unfortunate. But, you know, I, I think, you know, life is that way in that whether it's ice angling, or ski, or snowmobile, or guys who make their living plowing driveways, the weather has to be normal, or it really has a ripple effect across the economy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it really is amazing. I just always come back to that idea of variance, and you know, there there's there's going to be highs and lows. You're going to have an average, and every once in a while, you're going to have some of these outliers. I'm I'm willing to accept an outlier now and then, but the, the the more frequently we have this wide variance in weather patterns, the more you go, you know, something is off here. So let's talk a little bit about, from the DNR uh, fisheries perspective, your, your scientific hat on. Does this weather affect fish at all, or is it just the anglers who are affected by it? Uh, definitely, it definitely impacts both. Um, you know, it's, it's small things here and there. It's definitely more habitat related. Uh, you know, it, it, it has some interesting things. I'm probably stealing a little bit of thunder from your local Bemidji fisheries office, but uh, the, the numbers for the upper Red Lake Creel were, were circulated uh, to some of the fisheries staff, uh, kind of some interesting observations. 
December of 2023 on Upper Red Lake was the second highest uh, amount of fishing pressure since they've been doing these creels. And you can run these, you know, if I'm saying something wrong, Tony Kennedy would, will, will have to straighten <laughs> me out, but, <laughs> but uh, or, or Edie Everts at the local office there. But uh, what, I, what I read was, yeah, it was the second highest pressure, uh, fishing pressure, fishing effort since the uh, COVID year, December of 2020, when everyone wanted to get away because you couldn't do anything else. And that really is saying something, you know, the, 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 the discussion around that that Tony sent out was probably because there wasn't fishable ice anywhere else. Everyone went up to Upper Red mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that we had unstable conditions and shifting ice flows and wind and weather and goofy ice. You know, that's, that's pretty remarkable. He, he talked about how a single month, you know, eclipsed the entire summer 2023 uh, fishing pressure season. So pretty, pretty amazing. So wow. one is that idea of, of angling pressure. It does come back to people, right? Like, uh, you know, in, in that instance, everyone has to go to one resource instead of being spread across several, you know, I, we couldn't fish in Southern Minnesota. So we loaded up in both of my fishing trips that I've taken. I went to uh, Lake of the Woods County and, uh, Northern Itasca County. We had to travel North. So well, that's a long way of saying that there's, probably four to six weeks of fishing of missing angling opportunity in southern minnesota that hey there will be less cumulative fishing pressure down here this winter hmm. well i, I think go ahead no no i i i was going to jump in and say just one other thing is i a bit of uh serendipity of, of good fortune perhaps there was a lake in sibley county there is a lake in sibley county a clear lake that uh, we had a public hearing on in 2023 uh, to be able to get permission and consent from the public to draw the lake down. And our, our process was so lengthy to, to you know, get final uh, leadership approval that um, it wasn't something we were going to be able to take the water off quickly enough in the calendar year 2023. So we delayed that project 2024. Well, looking at it now, uh, silver lining, we have a very mild winter going on here. So I'm glad we may have dodged a bullet there because we could have drawn that lake down, had it in a, in a drawn down condition and had an extremely mild winter that wasn't going to kill off the numerous common carp that are in that lake. So, uh, that's, that's a, you know, a, a, for instance example, but, uh, the, the bigger picture is we will not be seeing winter kill most likely if this winter pattern continues in a strong El, Nin- El Nino we will not see a lot of winter kill. And what does that mean for uh, raising fish in private aquaculture and, you know, across ponds across the state for, uh, for, for DNR needs and for the bait industry and for private aquaculture. So there's, there's always kind of a yin and a yang, a plus or a minus with what mother nature deals to us. Yeah. And you're right. You're right. And, um, I think the thing that uh, I think is challenging to a lot of people in the in the world, not just our world, but in the world, is it's the climate is a little different. It, it, I mean, I don't think you can really argue that things are significantly different, maybe less significant here than other places. But there's adjustments going to have to be made for long term purposes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're challenged as resource managers to really contemplate you know, what the future may look like and, you know, what, how you might change, how you go about taking care of a resource. I just had a, a sit down with the Lake Association member yesterday 
talking about the management of that particular resource. And for a long time, the lake in question was really hampered by winter kill. It really stopped that lake from having anything more than a very simple fish community in it because it was full of highly tolerant fish that could survive through winter kill. Now that we go for much longer periods between winter kills, there's enough time for the fish community to prosper and to actually have quite a bit of diversity to have a, a, a more complex uh, fishery out there. And so, you know, every lake is going to factor a little bit differently as, as our, our climate and, and conditions change. One of the reasons, of course, that things get uh, so interesting when, when with early ice fishing is because everybody wants to do it because it's an extension of the fall bite, basically. But um, even now, you, you've got to be smart when you get out there. Yeah, we have thicker ice than we did three days ago for sure, but we're nowhere near being able to get a couple hundred people on the ice for a fishing tournament, for example. No, no, exactly. We've permitted some fishing tournaments down here, and a few folks are asking for amendments to delay those dates. Uh, there might be some cancellations, and even on a personal level, you know, I'm heading heading to northern Minnesota again to, to do some lake trout fishing, and I'm awfully nervous uh, until I start cutting some holes. I have no idea what to expect for ice thickness, and I know where there's some trouble spots that I'm going to have to be very mindful of. Yeah, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of guys, more than I've seen in the past, showing pictures from Lake Winnipeg, so they're going up there getting the greenbacks because... That seems to be pretty safe ice at the moment. Yeah, back to the yin and the yang, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, where you might be hampered by heavy snow conditions if you're going to have a year where you're not going to have a lot of snowfall and you can easily traverse your way across the lake, you know, take advantage of those conditions. Get up there and fish it. I said the same thing to a friend of mine that's a diehard trout angler. Uh, you know, without a lot of snowfall in southeast Minnesota, January 1st is our opening for catch and release fishing down there. You can head down to your trout stream and easily walk up and down the easement corridor and walk along the banks and and fly fish like you would any other time of year. Now, it's pretty darn hard to do because they tend to be spooky and all the vegetation is down, but you can easily get in and out of it. Well, um, if you're going out fishing right now, where, where are you? Well, you're going up north, I know that, but... Uh, what are you going? You're going after lake trout. What else should we be going after, and where should we be looking right now? Well, it's going to be a learning process for years, <laughs> truly. When I come back after after this cold snap comes through and there is safe ice in southern Minnesota, you know, I was having this conversation with a coworker where it's like, well, we are going to we are going to act like this is first ice. I mean, there's there's always this. Uh, idea that right out of the gate it's phenomenal fishing and now it's one of those questions is it is a day length and photo period that really affects activity or is it or is it uh you know metabolism and 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 oxygen conditions you know i've i've always wondered when we start to get into late february and march and our dissolved oxygen values in lakes start to sag down you know the fishing gets a lot tougher until we start getting those longer days and more thaw cycles happening and recharge of the water. And, you know, I, I sort of equated in my mind at least to, hey, you know, there's more oxygen available and the, the, the fish kind of perk up. Well, if, if that's the logic, there should still be super saturated water that's, that's full of oxygen and it should still perform like first ice. The fish should be aggressive and you should find them in those first spot, first ice locations. So I'll be looking for shallow weeds or a, or a basin bite and, and, and really looking for aggressive fish at first ice. I'm going to be looking for panfish and walleyes once I'm 
fishing my home waters after the lake trout opener is over. Well, let's uh, let's go back in the past a few a uh, few months. How was hunting season for you this year? Hunting was very enjoyable. My focus was uh, my daughter had taken her firearm safety and was interested in hunting. We uh, did a little bit of everything. Uh, she missed a few pheasants, so she came up empty-handed there, but I was proud that she shot the gun. Uh, she was very successful duck hunting. Uh, I forget. Uh, she ended up getting her limit on the opening day of youth season and then wow. uh, got out with me uh, at least one other time. Um and yeah, it was really sitting next to her in the stand, and that—that's what I told everyone. I, my out-of-state trip was to do some waterfall hunting in Manitoba in early October, which was successful. I shot a banded blue-wing teal and got to see uh, hunt, hunt, and experience the Delta Marsh uh, on the south shore of Lake Manitoba. Um, had a lot of diverse birds that we harvested up there. I think we counted 13 different species in my group. Um, and, and was able to hang out with the folks from Delta Waterfall and learn about the work that they do. Uh, I, you know, again, it was just spending time hunting with my daughter. I think we put a total of, gosh, I don't know, was it eight or nine or ten days in stand together between bow hunting and, and shotgun hunting, you know, wow. or, or firearm hunting. She And all of it was, was her. It was all, you know, when I'm counting those days, those are the days that she was holding the weapon. So, you know, I... Viewers can empathize with this a little bit. You know, mothers and fathers that take your kids out that, uh, you know, you just want those kids to have a good experience and to enjoy what they're doing. And, um, boy, we just really had some wonderful times together in stand. And, and, and those really experienced hunters also know, too, that when you're 11 going on 12 years old, there's a lot of things you have to learn. And, and she had that, you know. She got busted by deer. She got winded by deer. She had problems holding her weight back on the bow she uh hit a sapling uh with with her one of her bow shots um you know if something can go wrong it will but experience is one heck of a teacher and uh she's all the more motivated to go back out there and you know one of the complaints about having youth seasons is you know do the kids really earn it we put it on a pedestal for them well in this case yeah she was successful in the waterfall season but she wasn't in the deer season so it's going to make her that much more hungry and and have her want to come back and be successful. Hi, this is Scott Mockentune. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. While the ladies don't find Kev Jackson and I handsome, the fish find us irresistible. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service and Fish House Rentals. Are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure? Well, look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is the place to be. There are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji. Come drop a line at Becoming a Fishing Legend. While on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories. I'm Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. I'm proud of the efforts my fellow guides and I make to help Kev Jackson sound like he has a clue. This is Paul Bunyan Country. Going back even a few more months, I think July 1 wasn't uh, your area, one of the areas that got to go with the two lines in the river system? That's right. Minnesota River uh, had the two lines. We saw you know, a lot of people adopting it, taking advantage of it. Uh, we didn't have a creel, you know, an angler survey in place, you know, on the DNR side, but uh, 
you know, just being out there when we're working on the river or if I'm out on my own time, everybody's taking advantage of the two lines and seems very uh, pleased with the opportunity to do so. I know I took the whole family out sandbar camping and we, you know, we went to the hardware store and found the one and a half inch PVC and cut our, our own sand spikes, jam, jammed them into the sandbar and put a bunch of lines out and really enjoyed our time as a family, re- reeling in all kinds of different species right off the sandbar. So it's a great opportunity for folks to, to you know, do something that they otherwise weren't able to. And, uh, you know, it seems like it's been pretty well uh, adopted. Obviously, you know, other people in the state of Minnesota wish it was a little more universal, but <laughs> we got what we got for now anyway. Yeah, and I know when we last talked on the topic, I, I, I kind of said the same thing about, you know, there were some folks that, that worked pretty hard, you know, avid catfish anglers and, and, and folks that fished our, our major river systems, at least in southern Minnesota, Mississippi, Minnesota, and St. Croix in the metro, that really were pushing hard for this for a long time, working with elected representatives and working with the agency. And, you know, I, there are other folks that have, that have gone down that pathway. I tip my hat to the Minnesota Walleye Alliance who advocated for a four-fish bag, you know, the agency really took a, talking about DNR, uh, you know, really took a kind of a neutral position on it, and it was more of a social issue. And, you know, that it, it, there were folks that fought for that for three or four years, and, if, you know, they may have to go the same route that those, that those uh, you know, active and, and, and politicking catfish anglers and surgeon anglers did, which is it may take you 10, 12 years, but, you know, if you can fight for something, because at the end of the day, our elected representatives, you know, they're dealing with issues like homelessness and uh, crime and, and you know, uh, taxes and, you know, major big ticket sure. cover, front of newspaper issues. And when it comes to fish and game, they're much lower priorities. So it can take a lot of time for your turn to come up to really see something happen. And, and that can happen working through DNR processes. All of that is a long way of saying that you really have to be in it for the long haul if you want to see changes enacted. Yeah, that, that, that's true. It's it's it, you're right. You've got to be passionate. You've got to be patient. Um, these things are not for those who want instant gratification. No, and and the the thing is, like it's it was a pretty easy thing to say that we we know that our river systems are underutilized and we don't see a lot of fish harvest out of there and they can take two line angling. And, you know, you got to have that discussion at a different level. Is it appropriate to expand it elsewhere? There's admittedly, there are mixed opinions within our own agency. You talk to 10 different biologists, 10 different managers, 10 different folks across the state with different resources. They may have different opinions on two lines. I certainly have mine and, um, and they, and others will have theirs. So it's, it's, it's it's a difficult uh, uh, topic to, to to navigate and and has been historically. You know we're basically surrounded by states and provinces that, that allow it, and we're a, we're a one line state, so at least in open water. Yeah, and and um, I know that people like to look at other states and say, well, they're doing it, but um, we get a lot of really smart, dedicated people who spend an awful lot of time figuring things out and. By and large, we've just seen. Um, I can give you example after example after example of DNR projects that have been huge successes. Do you do you hit a home run every time? No, you don't hit a home run every time. But the track record's pretty darn good. 
I, I like to think so, but you know we've got to acknowledge there's failures in there too. Sure. So it's mm-hmm. there's it comes with both, and that's part of the, the honesty and transparency. And you want to uh, bring that forward and try to show the the licensed buying public what you're doing and uh, where the benefits are and where the learning moments are. All right. Well, uh, based on you know what you saw last year, probably not what you've seen so far this year, the ice fishing season, but. What what are your thoughts about your area in particular and what kind of fishing we can expect in 2024? Well, where I'm at down in Hutchinson, we're pretty darn excited. Uh, we've had some very uh, high-performing, small water body uh, fisheries down here on, on, on walleye management. And we've taken a keen interest in a handful of lakes that we get into on an alternating year basis for really tracking individual year classes and, and looking at angler exploitation, doing some population estimates, learning as much as we can, and the genetic component of all of it is really lighting a fire underneath us. I mean, um, there's a lot of cool stuff that we do that we get motivated by, and you're excited to be working in the career field for that reason. Everybody wants to mess around with fish, but, boy, it it really is exciting when you're on the cutting edge of stuff and when we're learning, you know, what sort of genetic strains we have, what's going on, what is being most successful with what we stock, where are we getting huge contributions from natural reproduction – those things are really fulfilling and exciting. We are learning quite a bit, and, and the prognosis for the, for the average angler is they're getting a better return on investment. We're, we're seeing Mother Nature produce more natural reproduction in an area that we didn't think maybe we had as much. Um, we're seeing some really great bass fisheries develop. We've got a couple uh, 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 high-performing pan fishing lakes. So we're excited. We're trying to learn more. We're trying to make sure that folks have the best opportunities for angling in that area. And uh, I expect to, to continue to see high performing fisheries and, and, and satisfaction and trying to learn what we can. But uh, so far we're liking what we see and hearing good reports. And I would expect 2024 to be a, a great fishing year. All right. Well, if we want to read your stuff, what are some of the cool stories you've been uh, covering lately? Yeah, if I put on the writer hat, yeah. um, gosh, I'm trying to think. We, I'll have something coming out uh, in the weekend here. You know, the new year started, and uh, I have a little bit of a, a resolution for a lot of folks, and basically it's this. Take the picture. Uh, I can remember a lot of times when you go out and you, you fish or you hunt or, you heck, if you go out to the family cabin with, with friends or family or you do those activities, and a lot of times uh, you, know, you kind of go, ah. Oh, I'll take a picture later, or I'll forget about it. Uh, we're too busy. Take those pictures. There's been a lot of times that you look back and go, "Man, I'm glad I had the, I have a memory because I was that was my last trip with Uncle Bob, or that was the last time that I got out with that hunting dog, or boy, we really had a banner day on on a clear lake and really banged up the fish that day. Whatever it is, you know, take the pictures. So that'll be running the Mankato Free Press on Sunday and. I know I've got a couple other deadlines coming up, uh, stories on do-it-yourself salmon fishing in the Great Lakes that'll run this summer, and uh, oh, there's always something popping up. But, yeah, there's things in Game and Fish magazine or the Ice Fishing Annual that's out on news shelves if you, can't, if you want to get your ice fishing fix. Talking to a couple tournament anglers about what they learn and how you can apply that to the weekend, Joes. Um, yeah, you search it out. Uh, there's all kinds of good stuff out there. I saw today that target wall i ran a piece i did last year on drop shotting through the ice and how you can catch more panfish so if you search out scott mockington you may find a few articles out there for fishing and hunting all right well scott before we wrap it up you got time for a fast five 
only for you, Kev. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, here we go. Scott Mockentoon, Fast Five. Fast Five. Did I start up? Question number one. It is dessert time. Is Scott having pie or is Scott having cake? Oh, darn it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go my wife's grandmother's blueberry pie. It, anyway, this is with wild Minnesota blueberries. You can't beat it. I love blueberry pie. That is my absolute favorite. It's good for you, too. Blueberries are good for you. Antioxidants. Yeah. All right. Good Good one. I'm, I'm with you there. All right. Question number two. Besides fishing and or hunting, what is your favorite sport? Oh, I'm a basketball guy. Yeah, I, uh, I played it a little bit. I was so in love with it when I was uh, a teenager that... You know, I really forwent a lot of experiences in the outdoors until I was done playing the game and, you know, practicing in the summer and, and, and just in love with basketball. In fact, that's what I thought I was going to be coaching someday. Hmm. And uh, got a coaching certificate, and now I'm coaching archery, of all things. <laughs> so you just, you just never know which way the, the wind is going to blow you. Absolutely. Well, you, you got to be happy then as a basketball fan with the T-Wolves this year thus far. If you could suffer through the future in basketball at the collegiate or professional level in Minnesota for 20 years, you could probably put up with a lot of things. The, the bad sports in Minnesota have made it easy to escape to the outdoors, <laughs> put it that way. But, yeah, but yes, the Timberwolves are, are fun to watch this year. I'm, I'm waiting for the inevitable other shoe to drop. I, I kind of am, but I do feel that uh, they have quietly, patiently built depth. And uh, because they've built depth, that's why they don't fall apart in the fourth quarter anymore. So I, th- I think I think we're in a better place. And how about the Gophers? Yep. I mean, let's be honest. I, I would have never guessed the Gophers to be 13-2 and two at this point in the season. Yeah, and our family shares season tickets, and I, I don't care to go too much longer. But at least, they're, <laughs> at least they're showing a heartbeat. You know, I can get behind good basketball, and that's why it is nice to see both of those Teams performing a little bit better with the amount of basketball talent in Minnesota. I'm, I'm I'm glad that we're finally seeing something. All right. Question number three: If you've got to pick one, is it hard water or soft water? Oh man, um, <laughs> because there's so many more options in soft water. Because there's you know. So many other places it would it would you would have the ability to get on lakes and rivers and be able to go to the ocean you'd have to pick soft water but man you're a it's, i love my ice fishing like i'm a diehard ice fisherman but i would have to pick soft water i think of all the guys i've asked this question to and it's been a lot i think there's been one who says ice well maybe two um, it's hard for me to say that because I love ice, but I did. It's like I mm-hmm. told so many of my friends from the south, like you got it. All these destination fisheries, you got to come up and fish Minnesota through the ice. It's such a unique experience. It is. It is. Uh, but yeah, Bro Bros Dolls. I think the only one that uh, that said hard water. Uh, I'll prop to you, bro. I'll give it to you. I think <laughs> Nate Blazy maybe did too. It's been a while. I can't remember. 
Uh, but he, I know he loves that too. So, all right, here we go. Question number four. What was Scott Mockentoon's favorite subject in school? Oh, that's easy. Science, baby. <laughs> all right. Well, I... I mean... I got just I'll I'll throw in there, Kev. You, you you had to know what a science dork I was as a kid to have a geology collection, have an insect collection when you're when you're that age, and have one of your early jobs be to work in a laboratory. Granted, it was at a vegetable plant, but it was still laboratory work. So, you know, those things at that time that were not very cool. Now all of a sudden, they make you cool that you're a science geek. Oh yeah, I mean. Geeks are where it's at, man. Geeks are where it's at. Um, but I'm surprised how many uh, guys I ask who, you know, uh, guiding is their summer job, they're teachers, and I know what subject they teach, and uh, none of them pick the subject that they're actually teaching. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're telling me that Jason Durham doesn't pick unlimited recess? I know that's a tough subject. <laughs> um. You know, you're right about that. You you are absolutely right. And yeah, he probably did pick that one. But uh, Jason Durham, get a shirt on for crying out loud. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Finally, question number five: Are you a pop drinker? I'm glad that you call pop pop and not soda because we are in the Minnesota area. But uh, yeah, darn, darn straight. Yep, I'll I'll drink a little pop here and there. Uh, I had more when I was uh, when I was younger, and I can't take the, the sweetness as much. But you bet, I'll I enjoy I enjoy one here and here and there. You bet. Do, do you have a go-to? Boy, it kind of it kind of switches around. I mean, sometimes it's Diet Coke, or maybe it's Mountain Dew, or it's. Uh, I don't know, mix a little spurt with something. So okay. you bet it, 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 it floats around. <laughs> okay. I typically, like, once it gets cold, I, I'm not I'm not drinking pop. Um, but in the summertime, hot day, fresca or squirt, I will take that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good stuff. And then we live not too far away off of, U, off of US-169, the famous Jordan Candy Store, the largest candy store in Minnesota. Oh. And they have a huge section of soda pop along the wall, like the old-fashioned in the glass. Oh, so cool. I'll pick up the blue raspberry and the black cherry and the cream soda, and that's where I mean it's like you can really get one of everything. Sweet. All right, this isn't a Fast Five question, but one more question for you. Uh, we are just into January. People probably got some money for Christmas. Some of them probably got gift cards to, you know, Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop or whatever, uh, or up here maybe Reed's or, or wherever you go. And, uh, and the question is, besides electronics, because we can always buy new electronics, besides electronics, what should we spend our holiday money on? Man, that's a that's a good question. I uh, it's kind of whatever whatever you think you, you you need, and I'm I'm a hard person to shop for. Um, I sound like an entitled brat, but I feel like I I've got a lot of stuff. If there's something I I want to use in the outdoors, if it's not too expensive, I'll just kind of go get what I need here and there. And so the in-laws and the rest of the family they get me a lot of gift cards. I've got a bunch of money sitting at uh, at one of the big box stores. 
and uh, I am well, chipping away at it. I think I ordered some mounting hardware for some electronics. I I picked up uh, some hook holders, and I knew I needed some more um, creature baits and and uh, and hooks and things to do some tournament bass fishing with my daughter this summer. So it's just kind of looking through your box and thinking about where's the next adventure taking me um, uh, you know what's coming up around the bend is it ice fishing is it turkey hunting is it summer fishing is it looking ahead to next fall and it you know i i was always a person that sort of planned ahead if i needed a particular firearm or i needed a piece of equipment and tried to save up for it and now like you say if you're blessed to have all that all that stuff after you know money burning a hole in your pocket after the holidays just try to figure out what what's the thing that you forgot about that the last time you put your gear away, you went, gosh, I could really use this. Yeah. Well, um, for me, I, I, you know, I, I can always use another fishing rod. I can always use another fishing rod. Oh, absolutely, Kev. I mean, <laughs> I, I tell my wife she has too many shoes, and she tells me I have too many fishing rods, and then i got to <laughs> shut up. Well, maybe. Self in, she... Self-incrimination. you got to plead the fifth. Here's what you do. You buy her some fishing rods, and she needs to buy you some shoes. Oh, but I got a, I got too many shoes. I wear a size 16, so I can't throw them away. <laughs> can't find replacements. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, that's. I told you I'm a basketball player. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a big old shoe. That's a fact. All right. Scott, anything else going on you want to mention before we wrap it up today? No, that's that's about it. Always a pleasure. Just everybody be safe out there. That's as much for me as anyone. It's uh, it's a wacky year. We've had enough people that have had incidents, injuries, accidents, and, and unfortunately some deaths. And just be safe. The most successful fishing trip is the one in which you come home. Yeah, that's a fact. Scott Mockentoon, great to have you on the show again today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kev. Always a pleasure. Bye-bye. <laughs>